Hello, welcome to episode seven of the Radically You podcast. I'm Naomi Jenkins, a practicing certified life coach, a clumsy and imperfect human, and your host for today's topic about should shame. All right, I am killing it today. (laughs) I know I promised I wasn't going to be a perfectionist on this podcast, but this is like the third or fourth time I've started recording from scratch because I just keep tripping over my own tongue today. I cannot seem to get the words out of my mouth in a normal fashion, but I'm going to say that this is my last go. We're not starting over again, so you get what you get, my friends, but Welcome and thank you for being here. I hope you are having a lovely day wherever you may be. And I'm so grateful that you chose to spend even just a little bit of your day with me here listening to the podcast. So, like I said in the intro, I want to talk today about should shame. And this is something that came up recently in a coaching session with a client who I've been coaching with for a while. And it's not that we've never talked about it before, but we kind of dove deep into where all of the shoulds are impacting her experience in life, in her business, in her relationships, in her ability to take care of herself just in general. And I wanted to share some of the takeaways from that call because it really was, I feel like I've done that exact same coaching call a hundred times with a hundred different people. This is just such a a foundational issue for so many of us that we should on ourselves way more than we realize. I think if you started paying attention, you would be shocked at how often you are telling yourself that you should, that you should feel a certain way or do a certain thing or want a certain thing or be a certain type of person or I think my favorite is when we tell ourselves that we should know better. But shoulds come in so many forms. And I'm going to encourage you to just try and pay attention to when that comes up, either in your conversations or even just like internally with your internal self-talk. Where are you believing that you should, that you should be different than you are, think differently than you are, believe something different than you do? Um, and we point it outwards to other people all the time too. We believe certain things about who we should be and who other people should be and how we should all show up in the world. And the interesting thing about shoulds is I believe that generally we get our shoulds from places outside of us. So maybe from like the dynamics in your family of origin growing up, you learned certain things about who you're supposed to be or who you're allowed to be in the world or from your religious culture. Religion, of course, tells us a lot of things about what we should and should not be. By the way, shouldn't is just another form of shooting on yourself. It's not different. Um, But also then we receive all these messages, maybe not even directly, but just societal norms that weren't taught to us directly. We receive in so many different forms and we just kind of internalize over time 
a general storyline of who we're supposed to be or who we're allowed to be. And then we should on ourselves any time that we don't meet up to that expectation. And right now, I just want to give you permission to stop shooting on yourself. If that sounds a little bit like a dirty word, that is the whole point. I want you to think of should as a dirty word. Let's start noticing it and calling it out for what it is. Because should is problematic. And here's why. The biggest problem with should is that it blocks our awareness and keeps us stuck. I've talked in previous episodes about how resistance keeps us stuck, right? When we're not willing to accept things as they are and kind of take stock of our current reality, then we end up getting stuck here. Because if we're not willing to see where we're starting from, then it's hard to get where we want to go. We need awareness if we want to change, grow, evolve into maybe a higher version of ourselves, which I think for a lot of us, if you're listening to a self-help podcast like this one, my guess is that you have goals to become a higher version of yourself. But if you're resisting what is and not willing to just own and love yourself where you are at your current starting point, then you will not have access to awareness that you need in order to move forward because you're resisting it. And should is inherently resistant. You're inherently resisting reality if you are shooting on yourself because you're not just acknowledging the facts. You're focused on how you want things to be different than they are. And like I said, we have to be aware and open to what is if we want to generate change. We need to know where we are before we can get where we are going. One of my very favorite analogies for this is like a GPS. I want you to imagine that you were to get in a car and open up your Google Maps and tell Google that you want to go to Target, let's say. And you put in where you are, maybe starting from your driveway, and and you put in Target, and then the GPS does its thing and runs the coordinates, and then it starts yelling at you and saying, what? Why are you so far away from Target? If you want to be at Target, you should be there already. What are you doing starting at your house? This is ridiculous. It's going to take five minutes to get there. How dare you? You should have just started at Target if that's where you want to be. Nobody's going to use that GPS. That is not what a GPS is for. But we do this to ourselves so often. Instead of just taking stock of where we are and where we want to go and giving ourselves space to kind of plot a trajectory between one point and another in our lives, we kind of just sit around and yell at ourselves for not being where we want to be yet. We should on ourselves instead of taking action to create more of what we want. And this is what I mean when I say it keeps us stuck. It keeps us stuck because it blocks us from accessing the truth of what we want. 
If you want to go to Target, that's good to know. But wanting to go there doesn't get you there immediately. You still have to decide where you're starting from or take note of where you're starting from and figure out the trajectory between where you are and where you want to be. It's the same thing in our personal development. If we know that there is a skill or a habit or a goal or something that we want to get to, we need to first have some awareness and take note of where we are. But when you should on yourself, you're really just beating yourself up for not already being there. So the remedy for should is I want to. If you notice a should coming up, I want you to try shifting it out for I want to, right? So for example, maybe I think I should have a cleaner house. Not maybe guys, I definitely think this. (laughs) I should have a cleaner house. The truth is I have three small children who often have friends in tow not uncommon for me to have six or seven small children running around my house on any given day, but I still beat myself up for the snack wrappers all over the counter and the dirty dishes in the sink and all of the toys and board games and video game, whatever, everything that is out. My house is most days in some form of looking like there was a tornado indoors. So what is most true is not that I should have a clean house. What is most true is that I want to have a clean house. But when I ask myself if switching out should for want to is effective, it goes a little something like this. Okay, I want to have a clean house. Is that true? Yes. And then I ask myself, Do I want that for reasons that I like? So for example, if I just want my house to be clean so that other people will be impressed with me, I don't love that reason. If I want my house to be clean because it gives me a little more mental clarity when I'm not surrounded by clutter, that's a reason I do like. And there might even be other reasons that I absolutely love, but immediately... When I shift out of should, which feels terrible, then suddenly my brain gets curious and starts going into problem-solving mode for how I can make that happen. Similar to like the GPS, when it notices, here's where we are, here's where we want to be. Okay, let's calculate a route. My brain does that pretty naturally when I shift out of should and into I want to. So Next time you notice a should come up, I'm going to suggest that you try the same thing. Ask yourself, if I switch out should for I want to, is it still true? And if so, if it still feels true, then dig a little deeper and ask yourself, do I want it for reasons that I like, for reasons that are in alignment with that higher version of me that I'm trying to step into? And if so, then maybe your brain will go right into that kind of calculating mode of figuring out with curiosity all the different ways that you could get there. But also you may find sometimes, oh, I don't want that, not for reasons that I like. I want it for reasons that feel suffocating, 
that feel people-pleasing, that feel disingenuine to who I am or who I'm trying to be. And in that case, I'm going to suggest that you surrender the should, that you put it down and ask yourself instead, what do I genuinely want to do? What is true? And focus on what you genuinely want to create in your life. Put down the shoulds that may have come from somewhere outside of you and access that inner place of direction that's going to know so much better what will resonate with you. And ask yourself, what do I genuinely want? Okay, those are my tips for getting out of should. And like I said, the reason I think being in a shoulding place is so unhelpful is because it keeps you stuck. And I really think the reason, the biggest reason it keeps us stuck is because should creates shame. Shame is the emotion that I most often hear my clients talk about when they're telling me all of their shoulds. In fact, it's gotten to the point where if a client tells me they're just feeling shame or more often than not, shame can be kind of hard to pinpoint. More often than not, a client tells me it's just like this terrible feeling like in my gut or my chest. And when we drill down and discover like, oh, it's shame. My next question is always, okay, where are you shooting? What are you telling yourself you should be doing different than you are or how you should be showing up different than you are? And that's always there at the root of it. Anytime there's shame, there's should. I call them shush words sometimes with my clients. And that's kind of exactly what I think we should do with them is just tell them to shush and go away because they just don't serve us. We don't need to shame ourselves for feeling shame or feel or tell ourselves that we shouldn't think that we should or shouldn't because that's counterproductive. And ironically, that's often what my clients do after we've done this work is anytime they notice they're shooting, they're like, oh no, there it is again. I'm so sorry. And that's not the point. The point is not to beat yourself up when you notice that there's shame or should available. It's just to notice, oh, that's not really serving me. And it's optional. And I could shift it out for something different if I wanted to. Shame, like should, keeps us stuck because it keeps us in resistance. The thing about shame is that it kind of has a story at the heart of it. And the story of shame is this. Shame tells us, I am wrong. And that's just not true. Just inherently, shame is a liar. And that's what I want you to know. If you are feeling ashamed, or if you notice shame coming up, I want you to know that there's some lies at play. Because you can always trace it back to some version of, I am wrong. I should be different than I am. And that's a lie. Because you're not wrong. You are exactly who you are supposed to be and you are exactly where you are supposed to be in your life. And anything other than just giving yourself permission to be where you're at and love yourself anyways is going to keep you stuck. And that's what shame does. Shame I sometimes refer to as an indulgent emotion because like I said, it's not really useful 
and it kind of just keeps us spinning. We get stuck in this spin with shames and shoulds, and it's really hard to make progress from that place. So just like there's a remedy for should, which is to switch it out to I want to, I believe that the very best remedy for shame is self-compassion. And here's why. The story of self-compassion is I am human and that's okay. Or maybe better said would be I am allowed to be human. The, at the heart of any kind of self-compassionate exercise or self-compassionate response that we can give ourselves is the story that I'm allowed to be human. And that's exactly what I hope to offer you on every single episode of this podcast is just more permission to accept yourself as human. And humans are inherently imperfect. We are inherently flawed and wired for struggle. And if it feels like I just say this over and over and over on every episode, you're probably right. But the thing is that repetition is how our brains learn best. So I'm going to keep telling you and just hope that you will keep coming back to listen until you fully understand that you are allowed to be human. That perfection is a lie that leads to shame and shooting and keeping you stuck. And the remedy is self-compassion. The remedy is anything that gives you permission to just see yourself, accept yourself, love yourself exactly as you are without believing that you need to be something different to earn that love or sense of being worthy or enough. Because you were born with your worth. You don't have to earn it. You actually can't earn it. You brought it with you when you showed up on this planet and it is untouchable. It does not go anywhere. We just forget that it exists. Self-compassion is all about giving yourself permission to feel worthy and enough. Not because you're perfect and not because you don't make mistakes but because you're human and humans are inherently imperfect and prone to making mistakes. Self-compassion says, I don't have to get it right all the time and I love me anyways and I'm going to keep trying and that doesn't impact my worth. I can fail and still be perfectly worthy and lovable no matter what. My all-time favorite self-compassion mantra is just, I am allowed to be human. Or another one I love to use is, and I love me anyways. When I make a mistake, when I do something wrong, when I'm unkind to my husband or I yell at my kids or I inevitably make a huge mess because, my goodness, I am so clumsy, you would laugh. My husband routinely laughs at me, I think only to keep his sanity because I am so clumsy. And I have to just remind myself, oh, that doesn't mean I'm stupid or careless or whatever, oblivious. It just means I'm human and I love me anyway. 
As you're learning to practice the art of self-compassion in your relationship with yourself, I think it can be really helpful to just have some go-to phrases like the ones I've shared. And maybe those ones that I've shared don't resonate. So I just want to offer you a couple others just to help you hopefully find something that does resonate. So a couple other things to try. Maybe I am allowed to be imperfectly human or I accept the best and worst aspects of who I am. Or it is safe for me to treat myself with kindness in this moment. Or to kind of just wrap it all together, how about telling yourself, change is never simple, but it's easier if I stop being hard on myself. Speak to yourself with kindness. In fact, I'm going to tell you what I shared with my client in the email I sent after our session. And that is this. I believe that all of us have two inner voices that are vying for our attention. And for the purpose of survival, most of us have tuned into the frequency of our inner critic's voice. And we can hear those messages loud and clear. And that has served us in that it has kept us alive so far. But I want to suggest that there is another voice. And that when we are willing to shift the dial just a bit, there is a compassionate, loving inner voice available that is longing to be heard inside of you. This voice, this compassionate, loving voice might be less familiar. And so it might be harder to notice that frequency in the beginning. But when we learn to tune into the frequency of our loving, compassionate inner voice, it is actually more powerful and effective in promoting positive change and helping us to create the thriving reality that we want for ourselves. So that is what I have for you. It is the message that I will keep drilling into your head as long as you will keep listening. And that is simply this. Compassion is the key. In fact, I think my client said it best in our session last night. She said, I think I'm finally realizing, Naomi, that the goal is not perfection. The goal is compassion. And I couldn't agree anymore if I tried. I think the rocket fuel to getting you more of what you want in your life is learning how to exercise self-compassion. Because just like that GPS analogy, if you can just be okay with where you are, there's so much more space to consider where you want to get to and all the possible paths that you could take in between. And that is where your power lies. Your power lies in being kind and gentle and loving with yourself the same way you would be with somebody else who you deeply love. Because love is fuel, my friends. And it does not have to come from outside of you. You always have the option of generating the love that you need from within. I truly believe that feeling loved is an inside job and that it comes down to figuring out how to tune into that inner voice of compassion 
and pay less attention to that inner critic that wants to tell you all the ways that you should be different than you are. Those are lies. It's not true. It's not helping you. It's only keeping you stuck. So try focusing on what you want more of, leaning into awareness instead of judgment, and offering yourself a little more self-compassion every single chance you get. I think you'll be shocked at how quickly things start to shift inside of you and as a result, start to shift outside of you as well. That is what I have for you today. Thank you so much for being here. I will talk to you again soon, probably with another message about loving yourself and practicing self-compassion, but I'll try to shake it up a little and make it a little bit different every time. Take care, my friends. I cannot tell you how grateful I am that you joined me here for today's podcast. If anything in today's episode resonated with you, or you think it might prove useful to someone that you know, I hope you will share it with a friend. I would also be immensely grateful if you would take the time to leave a review in whatever podcast app you're using today. Reviews are the best way for new listeners to find the podcast so that they can come and join in on the conversation. Once a month, I will be choosing one reviewer at random to receive a free private coaching session with me on any topic of your choice. This month, I hope that person is you.